Welcome to the Love Life Church podcast, and thank you for checking us out. We love God, love people, and love life, and we hope this message encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. Truth must become first-hand knowledge. That's what we looked at last, last Sunday. Truth must become first-hand knowledge. It can't be, well, so-and-so said, the pastor says, the leader says. It must be, I know what it says. This is what the Word of God says to me. Not second-hand knowledge. It has to be you. You know this. See, the problem is we assume our responsibility is, is make sure you give credit. You know, you heard it from this person first. That's ridiculous. If you know it, and it's your truth now, it's yours. Because there's no such thing as anyone having knowledge just based upon their own knowledge. Everybody's getting information trickled down from everybody. Everybody. There's nothing new under the sun. Everybody's communication has been communicated before. You know, it might be that person you heard for the first time and they first time said it. I guarantee it came from someone else. Do you guys hear what I'm saying? So what we have to realize is, is I want us to get to that place where you're not saying, well, pastor believes or, or this or that. It's, I know what the word of God says. This is the truth I know. And that's when you become powerful. That's when the devil is not going to be able to mess with you the way he is now, or maybe he has in the past. Either way, it's putting you in a position of empowerment. And that's where we all want to go. Amen? We want to be in a position of power. First-hand knowledge. Paul says this over and over. He says that in all, almost every epistle, he says, I don't want you to be ignorant. I don't want you to be ignorant. I don't want you to be ignorant. He says it over and over and over. And he talks about knowing and knowledge and understanding all through his, his, his letters to the churches. Now, in... Our reading, we read it, we read the Bible, but it's not necessarily received the way we need to. See, I can tell you right now, if, I, if I'm writing a letter to the church at Ephesus, and I write this letter, and I take this letter and bring it to you, and you're the church at Ephesus, and you know me that I have a really good grasp of what God is talking to us about in the church. And you understand that. And so I write this letter to you and, and I give it to you. And one of you get up and start reading that letter. Now, I'm not talking about you reading a Bible scripture. I'm not talking about you reading the Bible. I'm talking about you reading a letter. So I'm communicating not in a way that's religious sounding. I'm communicating in a way that you understand, your language. And so I would bring that, that letter, I would hand it to someone, take it to the church at Ephesus, they'd take it, and they'd get up and say, everybody listen to, listen to what you know Paul wrote or Pastor Dan wrote, and then I'd read, the, the letter would be read, and you would grasp it. It wouldn't be something you, you would be sitting there going, what, what scripture is that? Or what? You would be hearing it with a different attitude. Because I wrote it for you. I wrote it to you. This is exactly the understanding that I received early on in my own personal walk that transformed my 
journey. I read the scripture as it was written to me. I did not have a teaching about it. I didn't get instructed to do that. I started just believing that that's what I was supposed to do. I believed that this is to me. And so what I did is I started replacing things and inputting my name in there. For God so loves Daniel that he gave Jesus. Daniel would believe, and I would do this, and I would continually put my name. And it, and it literally impacted me in a, in a way that I, I believe that's helped me be able to go through life like this, but continue to move forward. And I want that to become your life. If it isn't already, I want it to become that, to where you take this personal, where it's for you. It's to you. If you were the only one on this planet, these letters would be to you. Understand that. So let's get it personal, amen? The word ignorance is agnaeo. Agnaeo, agnaeo means that you have no knowledge or perception. Agnaeo. It's where we get the word agnostic. Agnostic is someone that says, well, there's no way to prove there's a God. You know, there's no way to prove it. Agnaeo is ignorance meaning you don't have any information. You don't have any information. Are you hearing this? Now, let's look at this scripture. Ephesians 4.15. This is where we all were at one time. Being, being alienated from the life of God. Alienated from the life of God because of what? Because we have a different type of life or nature. We have a, we have a sin nature. That's why we're separated from God. Now, in sin nature, it involves acting sinful or whatever you want to call it. It's just the nature that we do. Do you follow me? So once you understand that, it, you can grasp the saying much quicker as far as the challenges and the issues you have in life. So you have a sin nature. In other words, this nature alienates you from God. Now watch what it says. You've been alienated by the life of God because of the ignorance. Everybody say ignorance. Because of the ignorance that is in them and the blindness of their heart. So the alienation is not something based upon because it's God's will. Because it would say, because it's God's will, I have alienated people. He says, you're alienated because of what? Ignorance and blindness of heart. Ignorance and blindness of heart. Well, I'm writing a letter to you guys right now. You're reading that letter. Think about what you just heard. Does anything in there seem condemning? Does anything in there seem like this, this I can never attain this? No, it's very, it's, it's simplified in understanding by going, the alienation of God is because I don't know. Not I'm alienated because I'm an evil, sinful person. I'm alienated because I'm, I don't go to church. I'm, no, I'm alienated because of ignorance and blindness of heart. Fix the blindness of heart and the ignorance, I'll have the life of God. Do you guys see this? So what we're doing is, is we're, we're, we got to read right, not religiously. And God's wanting us to open, this, open these letters up and partake of the truth of these letters. 
not read it with a religious mindset. I remember for, for, for quite a few years getting to the place where I started to read religiously. Even though it was personal, it was religious. And what, what, do, you mean, what do I mean by that? I felt that I had to read a certain amount of pages for me to be right with God. Because you would always hear people, well, how much did you read? Have you been reading? Have you read every day? Oh, I mean, I heard it over and over and over. So my assumption was, is that that's tied to God liking me. So I would read and I would read. And sometimes I would read fast so I can go, oh yeah, I read a chapter. I read two chapters a day. I'd even read the smaller ones so I can get three chapters in. So I'd look around, which ones are the shortest ones to read? I would, is, is that ridiculous? It doesn't even make sense. But that's what religion does. It always focuses you to works, works. So I, we've got to be free from that. I tell people, if one word impacts you, stand that word. You read the Bible and you stop at one word. If it's impacting you, you don't need to go any further. Let that word impact you. Whatever it is, let it impact you. That's when this thing is going to work in your life. But you think everything's tied to reading, reading, reading. There's nothing natural on this planet that produces success that way, just by reading and reading. Study and receiving instruction is the only way that produces success. Your ability to be relevant in life. And that's what we have to do. We have to get this into us, amen? So we want to know what is know to know the word of God. Now there's two, two words in the Greek, I do and gnosko. Now they're going to be translated know, K-N-O-W, all right? I mean, it's going to be the same word, but in context, you can start seeing that this no must be a different, but it's still translated in English language, no, all right? Um, Gnosko is a process, the process of learning to a place of getting completion, but it's a process. It's the beginning and the starting of A, B, C, D, E, F, so you're starting, right? But you don't know what goes after that because you haven't got there yet. E F D G H I G H P Q. No. A B C D and then E F G. And you're going through the process. And and even though you can go all the way to Z, there's still the process of learning it because you heard it through Z, you mimic through Z, but now we can do it, right? I guarantee everybody in here can, you know, you know your ABCs, right? Everybody in here. Am I right or wrong? Right. That's the process gnosko. Now, I do is where you have full knowledge. I go A to Z. I know what A to Z is. And you can't change that. A, B, C, D, Z, W, X. Nope. That ain't how it goes. Why? Because this is how I learn. This is how I understand. This is what I know. Now, in knowledge, full knowledge is where Jesus, that's where God wants to get you to, where you have full, complete knowledge and you own it. You own this information. It's mine. I know. 
Now, I can tell you right now, I did not know that God loved me unconditionally. Did not know it. I was taught it. I heard it. I was taught it. I heard it. I was taught it. I, and it took years to know it to where I know that I know that I know. Now, how many people did I hear that from? Oh my gosh, so many different people. Some had greater emphasis and impact than others, but the point is, is many, many teachers, many pastors that I listened to, I would hear that information. And then finally it came to, I know. So I don't have to quote anybody. I know God loves me unconditionally. So I don't have to say, well, you know, the Bible says, and the scripture says it. No, I don't. I don't have to do any of that. I know. What, what are you going to do when, when, when a day came or would come where they took all your Bibles? I mean, some of you are messed up. But see, I know that he loves me. You can take all my Bibles away. It will never change that. I know. Are you guys hearing? In this information, we're starting to realize, okay, this is telling me that there's a process of learning and then there's coming to the complete knowledge. In John 55, it says this. Jesus is talking to religious people. He goes, yet you have not known him. You have not what? Known him, and that's gnosko. You have not process the journey of information about God. And this, he's talking to religious people. He's talking about the ones that they know the law. They teach the law. They study the law. They are the presenters of the Jewish faith. And he goes, you don't know him. And then he says this, but I, I do him. In other words, I know him. You don't know him. Not using the word I do, but Nikonosko, he goes, but I, I do him. I do him. I know him. I know God. He's showing us the process, and then he's showing us the completion in the word know. I want us to operate in I do, where we know. Are you guys hearing? Peter, in in John 13, 7, I remember the story. Okay, there's, this is Jesus wrapping up, wrapping up his time on earth. He has, uh, you know, the, the Last Supper, the Lord's Supper. So that's all went on. They're finished, and Jesus goes to wash their feet. Is that amazing? Y'all know feet can be nasty. I mean, you can have some dirty hands and stuff like that, but feet? I mean, how many of you ever woke up and go, God, my hands stink, but your feet? Man, they can get nasty, right? Okay, y'all acting like you got the cleanest, nicest feet in the world. Whatever. But the point is, is this is Jesus saying, y'all line up, I'm washing feet today. I'm gonna wash all your feet. Peter's now doing what Peter does. Because he doesn't know. He doesn't, I do. He's in the process of gnosko and still not learning. Why? Because he keeps getting in the way. This is so important to understand because what we do is, is we go on a journey of receiving and then we quit or we stop just by our own sabotage. 
by our own attitudes. You can come in here for months and just learn everything. And all of a sudden, you get mad at someone, you get an offense, and all of a sudden, you come in and you don't learn a thing. Or you can come in here and learn and learn and learn, and you're just so excited, and you get a new job, and, and um, the job is night shift, and you get off, and you come in right after you sleep during the message. There was a time when you were listening and learning, and now you're sleeping. Do you see what I'm saying? It's something that once you understand that the word goes out, the sower sows the word, but the responsibility of that word now relies on you. If I'm going to plant, the ground is us. I'm the ground. And this is so, so imperative to understand because when it, when it comes down to your life, you're one of four seed, you're one of four grounds all the time, all the time. Everybody say all the time. Now, please listen to what I'm saying. Don't just start interjecting your feeling or opinion. Listen to what I'm saying. I said all the times you're one of four grounds. But let me ask you something. Is all the time you are thinking about or doing one thing and nothing else but one thing? No. So what you need to understand is that life has a series of things going on all the time, right? Okay, so that means you're one of four grounds in everything you do. So there can be this one area where you're good ground and there's production. And then there can be another area where it's stony ground. It's, it's something where it's affected by other things. And there's the weeds sown with the good. And then there's the areas, and you're dealing with all these different things, and that's what you have to understand about your life. What we do is we define our lives by one failure. Okay, I'm hard ground. The enemy came and took it right away. What a loser. I'm no good. I'm the, and you have good ground in your life, but you're focused now, and I'm hard ground. I'm the loser. I'm no good. God can't use me. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, I don't care. Maybe you have a bunch of hard ground. In other words, hard head, whatever. Maybe it's there, but I guarantee you, I promise you, you got at least one good ground in you. No one's exempt from good ground. You got, you got good ground in you. So what we have to do is we have to change our mindset of how do we become good ground? It, it, it's not, this isn't difficult. But it is something that you need to understand that even Jesus makes reference to. Remember, we're talking about four different types of heart, ground. Four different types of heart, ground. Well, also Jesus talks about the heart in bad heart or good heart, right? Then he talked about out of a good heart and out of a bad heart. You speak out of an evil heart of unbelief. You speak out of a good heart. And then he says, what? He says, make the heart good. Without that, it's like, we're so, we're, we're done. But he says, make the heart good. So he gives, he gives us, the word of God is always going to see, see us and show us out of whatever we're messes in, misery, whatever it is, it's going to show light. 
to be able to get you out of it. He didn't come to a perfect world. He came to a messed up world. He came to a world that was filled with religion, sin, curse, a disgusting world Jesus came to. But he came to what? Bring light, to bring freedom, to bring truth, to set people free. And that is the information that we all need to get hold of, that that is the purpose of why he came. He didn't come to reveal our nastiness. That's what the law did. The law said, see, losers, no matter what, you can't do it. That's what the law did. I'm going to make a list of 10 things not to do. Watch what happens. Y'all going to do one of them. All of you. No one's going to be perfect. And so we start realizing that we can get help quicker. You're your worst enemy. I want you to start realizing what you truly become. And that is the, the greatest benefit for your life. But it's all based upon here. This information here. You need to be. This is stuff where it's so much in me and I want to go so far into this, but time restrains me. But you need to understand the importance of, of how you see yourself above everything else. We want to talk about, oh, you need to, you need to be better for, for the people. You need to love and you need to be that. No, what you need to do is you need to get to where you love you and then you're going to be able to love others. But if you hate you, you can't love anyone. You can't. And you can't love yourself looking through the natural view. You got to look through God's view. And it's, it, it surpasses the nasty. It surpasses ugly and starts looking at the truth. And the truth is this. Jesus died for you. I'm sorry, but that's the value of who you are. And you need to understand that. You are very, very valuable. It just needs to change in how you see yourself. Uh, Jesus says this, what I'm doing, you do not understand. Right now, what I'm doing, you don't, I do. You don't have complete knowledge. He's talking to Peter. He says, what I'm doing, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to wash your feet. Jesus is like going, heck no, you're not. I mean, if you look at the Greek language, he literally did a double negative. He said, no, you won't, but that's not what he said. He said, no, you won't, no way. Talking to Jesus that way, but we don't read it that way. We're reading the Bible. Everybody talks monotone and sweet. That's like Peter talking to Jesus. No, Jesus, you won't have to go to the cross, never. No, Jesus, you don't have to wash my feet. No, you don't have to do that. That's not life and that is a religious lie. There are times when Peter rose and lifted his voice in agitated, aggravated attitude, in anger. That's exactly what he did now. He's seeing Jesus, about re Jesus, his Lord and Savior, about ready to wash everybody's feet. And he's going, you ain't going to wash my feet. No, you won't. That's what he said. What I'm doing, you're not going to understand now. But you will know, Gnosko, but you will know after this. No, I won't. You ain't washing my feet. So Jesus pretty much has to take care of Peter, as usual, 
Because Peter wants to define, he wants to give his opinions, his feelings. We don't, he's doing it all the time. Remember when Jesus took Peter, James, and John, took them up to the mountain, and all of a sudden Moses and Elijah's coming and hanging out with Jesus? Moses and Elijah appears. And Peter's looking at that going, oh my God, oh my gosh. And then it's, their, their conversation's done, and then Peter goes, dude, we're going to make a tent, we're going to build. He starts changing Jesus's ministry. We're going to live here forever. We all build a house. All the disciples come here. We'll build a house right here. We'll live on this mountain. Jesus, do you see what this guy does? He's like going, forget the rest of the years of your ministry. Let's camp out here. Let's camp out here. Moses and Elijah will hang out. We'll have parties. It'll be fun. That's what I'm saying. Is this ridiculous? Isn't that silly? But that's what Peter was. He just has to give information out. Now he's speaking from his what? His emotions. His emotions. And Jesus is always having to correct him. Peter, Peter, Peter. Come on, man. You are so off, brother. Peter gets to the place where he's going, oh, okay, so this is important. Well, don't wash my feet. Wash, wash my whole body. See, he can't, he can't even stop himself. Well, wash my feet's fancy. Man, do the whole thing. Can you imagine him? Wash every bit of me. Jesus looking at him like, oh, I ain't touching that. That's nasty. He literally told him, you don't understand something. If you ain't washed now, you ain't a part of me. He goes, I'm talking about feet right now, but if you talk about being body washed, you, it, there's only, he goes, there's only one that's that way. He was talking about Judas. He's talking about only one is full dirty. So here we see Jesus saying, Peter, there's a process of gnosko going on in your life, but I need you. Everybody say, I need. I need you to get to Oida. I need you to get to a place where you know you know. Amen. He said it'll come. Y'all with me on this? All right. So we need to know the truth. Remember that what I talked about Eve. The reason why Eve did what she did was because she had secondhand knowledge. This wasn't firsthand. This was secondhand. God told Adam, do not eat of the fruit. The day you eat of the fruit, the point you eat of the fruit, in dying you shall die. Okay. He's saying, Two deaths take place. You'll have spiritual death. You'll be separated from me. And then you're going to have physical death. Before that, he would live forever. There is no death, no destruction in the life of Adam or Eve. They would live forever. Impossible. They could not die because they were spiritually alive to God. Do you guys hear this? Jesus could not die. They could beat him. They could stab him. They could, put a, they, they, they could drive nails in him, but he can't die. Unless spiritual death separation takes place. And that came from me and you. That came from the world. It all went on him. But because it wasn't his, he didn't have to stay there. But the sin had to be paid for. And that's what scripture teaches us. That's what we understand. Religion hates us. They go, Jesus didn't go. Jesus didn't take care of it. Well, then we're going to have to. If he didn't do it, we're going to have to. But he did do it. Did you, 
It's not difficult to see this correctly. He took the sins of the world. He took the curse. He took it all for us and paid the penalty of it for us. That's why it was three days and three nights in the belly. If this was not needed, there don't need to be three days and three nights. It's just, okay, I'm on the cross. Boom, I'm done. It's over with. It's so weird how religion looks at things instead of the simplicity of the gospel of truth. It makes sense when you read the context of the Bible. Here, Eve is going, okay, Adam, he told me this. The devil does what? Satan goes to Eve. He didn't go to Adam because the Bible says Adam was with her. He talks to Eve. So he must known that she didn't hear it firsthand, but that Adam told her. So she doesn't have it being completed in her, oida. She has a process, gnosko. So he comes to her and he says, you got to really say this? He's checking her out. Did God say? Now think about this because Eve is in a position where this thing's talking to her. We don't know what it is. It's not snake as far as what they portray the devil in. It, it, that's not what it, it, it shows us in scripture. It's what we created as fable look that Satan was a snake. But that's not what the scripture teaches. He was some type of, of, of living being that God said is good. So he was able to get involved in whatever it was and communicate out of its mouth. That's pretty amazing if you ask me. Now, how that communication, we don't know. We don't know any of this. We don't even know what language was spoken. We just know the communication happened. Again, we're, we don't know. But we do know what Scripture teaches that he said, did God really say that? And then she does what? Communicates what she believes. Now, is, is Eve just terrible and rotten? No. She just hasn't had the knowledge. She has the process. The moment she said, well, God said we can't eat it. We can't even touch it. Adam should have said, whoa, 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 I didn't say that. I didn't say nothing about touching. I said, we're not supposed to eat it. Now, come on, young lady, let's go. But see, that didn't happen, did it? No. So what took place was she opened up herself in adding to the word. The Bible says you add or take away, your life's going to be really messed up. I mean, you're, you're going to have a difficulty in life because what we do is we add to what we believe it should say. It's through our own feeling, our own opinion. We believe it should say that. And so what do we do? We use it as gospel. And it's not even in the Bible, but we believe it to be the word of God. Are you guys hearing this? So that's how Eve opened that door to the enemy. She didn't have firsthand information. So we got to know. Everybody says, I have to know. All right, three of you are listening today. I have to know. Amen. I have to know. I have to know. 
Ephesians 4.20 says this, but you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. Now, this is Ephesians. Jesus isn't there. This is years after his death. But what, they, what you need to see is, is Paul's writing to Ephesus, and he says this. He says, you have not so learned Christ. It didn't say you have not learned about Christ. It is you have not so learned Christ. So we can't, we can't add to it, and this is what we would do. We would say, well, they didn't learn about Jesus yet. No, that's not what the Scripture says. It says, you have not so learned Christ. Learned Christ is this, this knowledge and relationship to the subject. It's not the process of learning about something. It's, I have this relationship connection to this truth. So it says, you have not so learned Christ if you indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him. No, it's not by him. In the Greek, it's in him. I don't know why they translate these things so bad sometimes, but it is. It's wrong. So what it's, it, because what happens is we read in, in English, and it doesn't make sense because we're trying to translate the Greek. So we add, they added words that make it, okay, it sounds, it's, it, it flows now. But just taking one word, you can lose the context of something. Changing one word. I get it. I understand. It sounds better to say this. Indeed, you have heard him and you have been taught by him. That sounds good, doesn't it? He, Jesus isn't here. So how are they being taught by him? They've been taught in him through the instruction of the, apostle, the apostles. And that in relation to Jesus is alive, living in us. So that information, he says, you have not so learned Christ or learned about him. You have not so learned Christ. You have heard him and have been taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. That you, and it, it, it didn't stop there. It says that you, what, what, what's going on? He's not done with the subject matter. He's talking about learn Christ in Christ. He's talking about all this information. This is the truth. This is the truth. This is the truth. And then he says, that you put off, you, you, you know this is what you've been taught, that you put off what? Concerning your former conduct, the old man. Now he's talking about some husbands. That, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that you put off concerning the former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to deceitful lust. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this. You are a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. He's saying, if you don't understand that this process of how you're living a life, there has to be actions to be able to walk in the truth of Jesus. That means you've got to put off this old information, this old way, this old conversation. I am teaching you how to understand, have success in life. The key. But the beginning of this key is, is for knowledge to enter in, for the truth to enter in, you got to get yourself out of the way. And it says that we have to get it out because it, it continues to grow corrupt and then be renewed in the spirit of your mind. 
We already know what renew. We've heard renewal in here over and over and go over tied to Romans 12 too. Renewing is a process, taking out old, putting in new. Not a, a, a total blasting of a house and building a new house. That's not what the analogy is or the picture. The picture is you living in a house and this, this pipe leaks. So you go take out the old, put in the new. Take out the old, put in the new. Take out the old, put in the new. It's a process. It's not a demolition. It's remodel. That's renewing the spirit of the mind. All right, y'all got that? So once you hear some dripping going on in your life, fix it or stay a drip. All right, fix it. Y'all know when you're dripping. Everybody in here, we know. We know when we trip. Well, then recognize it. This has to be fixed. This has to be changed. Got to fix this, amen? So he says, put on the new. Put on the new, which was created according to God. The new creation is created according to God. It's we're God's kids. We're God-like in relationship, nature. My kids don't look exactly like me. They don't talk like me in the sense of my voice. They have their voice. They have their look. But they're like me in what? The birth. Amen. They're like Pastor Lau in the birth. And it's nothing wrong for them to go, I'm just like my, I'm just, I'm an image of my mom and dad. Well, I'm an image of God. How dare you? The Bible dares it. The Bible dares it. That's how I dare it. You got a problem with your religious mindset. That's on you, not me. Amen. So we have to get to a place of knowing. How do we know? How do we know? We are going to know by training our brain. Y'all ready? All right. I'm going to give you four steps to train your brain. Number one, step one, you have to speak correctly to yourself. You have to speak correctly to yourself. You want to be able to do this. You want to repeat God's word continually. But you have to communicate that word in a correct way. The correct way of speaking God's word is to make it first person. All right. So you make it completely personal and you have to communicate to yourself in present day now mindset, not I will, I am. You have to. Now, I talked about on last message about how we receive lies and how we how we can be conditioned to accept a lie, even with no facts just by listening to it over and over, right? That, I mean, that's science has proven that. Psychology has proven that. This has been studied over and over and over. Universities, psych, psych classes, they all study this. It's a fact. It's very easy to believe lies. It's, why? Because that's our nature, our old nature. Have you ever had to teach a child a lie? Ever. But you have to teach them to tell the truth but you never have to teach a child a lie. I've seen, we know kids, they can have chocolate all over their face and going, did you eat your candy? No. They can do that at three years old, at two years old. I mean, I didn't, I go, I didn't bring Daniel when he's just barely, you know, learning and everything and start saying, let me show you how to do it. Now it's sunny out there, but I want you to say it's night because it's not sunny. 
And, and I'm going to teach you how to. Now, if you touch that and I see you, did you touch that? I want you to say, no, I didn't. I didn't have to teach him the lie. It came naturally. You guys hearing me? What does that show you? It shows you that's what's in us that we can perfect real easy. And we have through years of living life. But now we have this new life, which requires new information. All right? So we have to learn how to speak correctly. Understand this. And, and I tie this truth, which psychology years later figure out is truth. But the Bible's already talked about it. Proverbs said thousands and thousands of years ago, as a person thinks in the heart, so are they. Psychology comes up, you know, in the, in the 1800s, you know, Freud or someone and starts going, hey, by the way, uh, uh, I believe that, uh, you know, you, the way you think is the way you are. <laughs> yeah, the Bible's already been saying that. But this is what happens is, is, is man comes in late to the game. God presented this thousand years ago truth. And so here we are knowing that this is what the Bible says. You're going to be the way you think. Your life will be directed to the strongest thoughts you have. Whatever those strong, whatever uh, uh, thoughts you make sure go to the gym and work out are going to be the ones you follow, those strong ones, the ones you pump up and build up all the time. That, my brothers and sisters, mostly are negative, ugly thoughts. But they're strong ones. So when the word of God says, no, this is who you are, that thought jumps in there and goes, you don't know me. I will show you how strong I am. Let's arm wrestle. It, it is. It's going to show its ugly, ugly self and dictate to you, no, I'm, I'm in control here. And the reason why it's difficult is you're in gnosko mode. One plus one equals two. Yeah, yeah. Pastor said one plus one equals two. One, plus. one dog, another dog, two dogs. And then pretty soon you're like going, oh, yeah, it is. I see it. Now it's two dogs. And then the old nature goes, no, it ain't. And you're going, get back off. You have security there, knowledge. Amen. So you have to learn to speak correctly. Jesus said this. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you say, Authority, whatever things you say, ownership, believe that you have received, past tense. Whatever things you say, believe that you have received, when? The moment you say. You're speaking, now you have the concept or the mindset of, I have received, and you will have them. That's what Jesus said, right? I say to you, whoever says this mountain, be removed, cast in the sea, and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that those things he says, she says, will be done, they will have whatever was spoken. That belief, it will happen. Now, don't run with this in crazy land like, oh, I'm just going to go to South Mountain, cast it away. There's nothing worked. You're an idiot. That's, that's stupid. But that's religion talking to try to make you say, this isn't real. But if I see it correctly, it's red letters. 
And it's out of the mouth of Jesus. And he doesn't lie. And if he said that, he meant it. Now, if you get wacko and you take this teaching into la-la land and get goofy, that's on you. But you don't change the word because, you know, you, you, you took it and said, no, God said I have it. I can have that BMW. It's my BMW. It's my BMW. And someone else owns it. Or it's on the, uh, it, it's on the auto lot. And you're out there going, it's in the name of Jesus. That's mine. I say I have it. And you work in Taco Bell. You ain't having it. The, the thing is, see, that's what religion has attacked people that believe faith, God's word, and have attacked them because there have been crazy people that do that kind of stuff. They took it out of context. They took it in a way that Jesus never said, you can go and just grab hold of whatever you want. But he did say, if you believe you receive it, you shall have it. So there's the context of what is he talking about? He's talking about exactly what he said. But is that the only thing he said? Is that the only scripture in the Bible that he said? No, there's countless other things that he said. Exactly. And if you want the whole truth of Jesus, you got to bring all of them together. And that's how you gnosko truth to I do. You get to the place where I got it. I understand. I know this, that if I say what the word of God says and not down my heart, I will have what the word of God says because that's what his word said. I know for a fact it'll take place. No doubt. No doubt. Now, can I be challenged in the process of standing in that position? Oh, yeah, totally. I can, I can get to a place where I can have thoughts try to attack me. But when it comes down to it, I'm going to be in a position of no doubt. When my wife and I came to a place of, we believe that we will have our child. We believe. Everything said, no, you won't. Every action said, ain't going to happen. Every month, every week, every day, every year said, it ain't going to happen. Now, I had no doubt, but I had many times where my mind was going, attack, attack, attack. But here, in here, no doubt. Now, if I didn't know what I was teaching right now, the doubt could have overrid what was in my heart. But because what was in my heart was in good ground, there was no weed, there was no rocks, and it wasn't on top. It was in good ground. So when the words or the feeling or a picture or a statement was opposite of what was in the good ground, it couldn't take hold. You guys see what I'm saying? So our responsibility is get the information planted in good ground. And in good ground, it multiplies. That means it becomes stronger, more powerful. This is what happened. And what do we have? We have two boys now. Medical science, science. The elite, the best of the best said, impossible for us to have a kid, period. I, there's testing, medical proof, everything. I can't have a child. I got two boys, two boys. Where'd they come from? Stork? Do you hear what I'm saying? Because this word is true. Are you guys hearing?
The second thing is the process. You need to pick seven times in each day to meditate on the word. Seven is a completed number. The Lord said to me, I asked him, what will give me the ability to transform the mind? Now, I can give you scriptures that are tied to this that exceed seven. But what I'm doing is I'm giving us a place to be able to function with, to change our mind, to change our life. And if I can get you consciously, everybody say consciously. If I can get you consciously to meditate on the word seven times every day, I swear to you, I promise you, your life will never be the same again. It won't be, because I can guarantee you this. You're doing that meditation on the negative things in your life every single day. That the things that don't go, the things you're always dealing with every single day to where your meditation is so deep that you don't even realize you're thinking about it, but you are. That's what the word of God needs to become where you, I don't even have to think about it. I know it's a part of me. Are you guys hearing this? So you need to meditate seven times Joshua 1.8, but you shall meditate on the word day and night. I think that could be more than seven times, right? Well, I'm being a little simpler for you. Seven times, seven times. Well, well how long? I, do, do you hear me put a time on anything? Seven times. Well, what if I only do it for five seconds? Good, do it seven times. Do it seven times. Everybody's trying to find a, a scapegoat. Everyone's trying to find, they, how, how, what can I get away with? Don't do that. Just obey me. <laughs> How in your life never do the same again? Amen. So seven times meditate on the day on word day and night. The Bible says you the enemy will observe to do. Everybody say observe to do. You're gonna be able to see how to make your way prosperous and have great success. How will that happen? The word of God's being meditated on day and night. Seven times. Seven times. All right. Seven times. Number three. Step three visualize it, visualize it, visualize what you're working on. What scripture, what thing are you dealing with in your life? Not only do you meditate on it, but you have to visualize that scripture. I started visualizing myself as a dad. Pastor Law started visualizing, visualizing herself as a mom. Not single people, visualizing ourselves making a room ready for baby. I mean, just start visualizing and believing. Are you guys hearing me? Start visualizing. I learned this principle years ago in, in sports. And sports visualization has been used for, for a long time. Uh, the best of us, everybody, that, everybody that's excelling in whatever sport they're in, they do this. They visualize the process. Now, it's amazing that this is a natural principle. It's a spiritual truth, by the way. It's scriptural truth. Uh, religion would say, you know, you're using new age. This is wrong. This is why they're so goofy, these people. It is a biblical truth, and it's a principle that works to visualize and process something. Now, what is the purpose of it? It doesn't do anything as far as making someone else obey your will. 
I mean, I visualize in football. I visualize in, in, in baseball. I visualize in, I didn't visualize as much in basketball when I played basketball, but I did visualize football. I visualized baseball, number one, because I was a pitcher, and that was my main visualization needed. Um, and when I wrestled in junior high, I visualized. So I would see the battle in my head. I would see everything I was going to do if I was going to throw a pitch. Now, I'm not talking about every single batter. On the ones that I knew was going to be a challenge, I visualized exactly what I did. And there were times when I visualized it was so good, perfect execution, and the ball is going over the fence. But it doesn't matter. It's not me willing this and forcing someone else to submit to my will. It's me executing correctly. So did I throw that, believing they would hit it out of the park? That didn't, that rarely happened, by the way. I just want to make that clear. Rarely. I'm, I'm not kidding you. Rarely. I, I could probably count on my hand the amount of home runs in my whole life. Literally gone up. But one did happen. And it was very embarrassing because it was one of my best friends growing up. And he did that. And I had to hear that for years. But the point of the matter is, is I visualized a specific way I was going to pitch to him. And it didn't work because he was visualizing the same thing. But the, the thing is, is what I've learned, though, is that it benefited me in whatever I was doing in a great way. It put me at ease. It put, I had the picture in front of me. And it's already a proven, proven way that in the Olympics they do it, in professional sports they do it. Visualization's there. And it works. Anybody ever played, you know, level sports where you do that? You visualize stuff? A few of you? Okay. All right. Well, just raise your hand even if you're lying. <laughs> visualize that you did it once. Who knows? I don't know. But the point is, is it's very important. Amen? It, now, visualization, let me, let me share this with you. It stimulates the same brain regions. It stimulates the same brain regions as you do when you physically perform the same action. Brain doesn't, the brain believes you. And if you're processing that, it literally is working as if it's happening. Do you guys get this? Why is this so important? I need you to start visualizing yourself healed, successful, prosperous. Not one day, speak to yourself, now, right now, I am, I am healed, I am whole, I am successful, I am prosperous. How can I say that? Because the word of God says so. That's my assurance, God says so, amen? Number four, surround yourself with positivity. In other words, you gotta surround yourself with people that speak positive things in your life, not negative. Everybody in here has friends that are negative, everybody. But they better not be in your tight life because if they are, you're negative. You show me your friends, I can show you exactly who you are. It's a fact. All I have to do is get around the people you're always around and I know exactly who you are and how you are. It's, it's sad and people don't like to hear that, but it's true. The thing is, is, we want better, but 
we're going to live the way we are. So until I see a change in, 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 in your amigos, if there ain't no change, you, you, you can talk, you can talk, you know, talk whatever you want to talk. But it is just a bunch of talk. But once there's a transformation of this now is my tight group, and all of a sudden it's a change in people, attitude, then I know this is the change in you. I believe that you should look for three. Three people that can be that positive influence in your life. I mean, three, including you, so two. Or three, four, who cares? Just get, just get a couple people in your life that are positive, that'll build you up, that'll encourage you. The close ones, I'm talking about close friends. Now, you know what I'm thinking, I don't even have one. Don't, if you start believing God, and start believing God for that type of friend, you might not have one because they're waiting for you to change. <laughs> whatever, you know. You might have like, you know, a mouth like a toilet and whatever, you know, you just want to gossip and all that. Well, that's the reason why. Fix yourself, fix the plumbing. I, t- I promise you, I- I'm telling you right now, God's good at bringing the right people in your life. He's awesome with that, awesome. So just trust him, believe him, and allow it to happen, amen? So surround yourself with positivity. This isn't just friends. I'm telling you, a lot of you are screwed because your social media is filled with crap, garbage. You, you're listening to people that are nasty. or you, You're just allowing that to be an influence in your life. I say right now, you start unfriending, start dropping anybody that isn't just building, just building and building and building. You don't need negativity. Get away from it. Break free from it. Actually, break free from being on that stinking phone all the time. Break free from this stuff. I, it's, it's amazing how people are so addicted to where now there's science proven psychologically and medically issues on people on, the, uh, on social media all the time. Now they're, going, now they're starting to have diseases, sicknesses because of it. Now, I don't know about you, but that's like, my iPhone's killing me? Then what am I going to do? I better get rid of the iPhone. Or I better change my attitude. Right? You know why it's quiet in here? Because I'm coming right down into your bedroom. You got your little pajamas on. You're like going, no, get out of here. I ain't getting out of here. I'm here to help you change and have a life that's awesome. If you don't like it, then whatever. Amen. So we need to be, have more pauses around us. Amen. So those are four things. You do those four things. They're going to start this mind transformation. I'm telling you, it will. It will happen. Three understandings to keep in mind. Number one, your past won't give up. Your past is not going to quit. From this point forward, I will always be good and do good. And your past like going, okay. It ain't going to quit. It's going to continue to throw up its ugly self and go, no, that's not how you are. That's not what you've done. This is not who you really are. It's going to talk trash. And remember, when, when it's speaking to you, it, it's literally going to try to influence you to obey it. you got to have control of your life. Amen? You have to complete control of your life. It takes time, but you can renew your mind. Amen? Number two, fear and anxiety will try to stop you. Fear and anxiety will try to stop Fear and anxiety love to do this. Yeah, but what if it doesn't work? What if? 
Yeah, you try. You usually try every, you know, every new year you're going to, and look, look where you are now. It never works. It never works. And see, that's a problem. We're hearing this, we're seeing it, and we're continuing to hear negative. Remember, what does fear produce? It, 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 it produces ugly. In the Greek language, it produces torment. It produces nastiness. It produces bondage. It, it's, it, fear produces sickness and disease. This is medical science proven. This is what fear and anxiety does. That's why God says, don't fear. Do not have anxiety. And what do we do? Pretty much live a life like God doesn't know what he's talking about. I'm telling you right now, you need to stand against these things. The third thing you have to understand is don't trust yourself. Demand your new way of life. Remember, Scripture says, do not lean to your own understanding. But in all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Take control of your life. Amen. Speak correctly yourself seven, seven times a day. Be focused. Focus on meditating on the word of God. All right. Stay focused. Visualize the truth. See it in your mind's eye. See it. Remember, remember God told Abram. Abram in the Hebrew. High character. Lifted character. Sarai in the Hebrew. Controller. Lead. Know it all. That's Sarai. That's her word. That's her name. God speaks to Abram, Sarai, and says, you're going to have kids, a bunch of them. You're going to have, the, your, your, your seed will be nations. Sarai is barren. They don't have kids. God says, time to visualize. I told you this is going to happen. You're going to be a father of many nations. Abram, you're now Abraham. Father of many nations. Sarai, you're now princess, princess of nations. He changed their names. Now what are they saying? They're speaking. I got a lot of kids. I got a lot of kids. I got, hey, I got a lot of kids. Hey, I got a lot of kids. What's for supper? I got a lot of kids. They're, they're speaking this. Father of nations, mother of nations. They're speaking and speaking and speaking. Now they got, hey, my name's not Abram no more. Lines up all the people that work for him. My name's Abraham. And you know what they're thinking? With who? I mean, they're, they're thinking, well, you've got to be kidding me. You, you ain't Abraham, father of many nations. You only have one kid. But they heard him. Why? Because Abram means high character. He lived the life before them that they submitted to. And they looked at it and go, this guy's, this guy's top. And so when he said that, they go, okay, we'll start calling you Abraham. And they started speaking these words to him. He heard his voice. He heard his name. Sarah, I heard his name. Sarah, 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 Sarah. They're saying it all the time. I promise you, it helped them. God also said, look at the stars. Look at the sand. Look at the stars. Look at the sand. This is visualization. You are a father of many nations. Look at the stars. That's what it looks like. Look at the sand. That's what it looks like. People, that's crazy. I don't care who you are. You ain't having that many kids. But God said, so what it is, is producing an ability to look beyond what the natural says. Look beyond what the doctors say. Look beyond what people think. God says something that's going to be remarkable. All you need to do is take it to heart. You don't have to change your name. 
But you have to do change your vision of who you are. In other words, that'll change yourself. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth of the word of God. And we believe with all our heart that this word is important for us to be transformed. The enemy cannot lie to us because we will have knowledge. We will go through the process of learning, but we always will come to first person. We own this. God loves me. Unchangeable. God has a plan for my life. Unchangeable. God is for me, not against me. Unchangeable. Greater is he that lives me than the enemy out in the world. Unchangeable. These are the truths I know. And the word continues to add to these truths because I believe him first and everything else doesn't matter. So Father, we thank you for this. We believe we're on the right path for our success in life. And it's by knowing that we know that we know. And we believe this in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. All right, y'all. Love you guys greatly. Thanks again for listening. To hear more encouraging messages just like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. If you loved what you received, please consider rating it and sharing it with your friends and family. For more information about Love Life and getting connected with us, go to lovelife.church. We love you and are believing God's best for you.